I've kind of already kind of given you a, a heads up where we're headed. And uh, as we kind of continue to say, Jesus, teach us to pray that, that really where my heart's at this morning is that we're going to be looking at prayer as thanks and praise and worship. But before we go there, I, um, I want to show you a little video clip. How many of you have, have watched or read uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I imagine most of you, you know, it's not exactly a new book, and it's one of those kind of evergreens that schools kind of keep coming back to. Um, great, fun story uh, with lots of things going on, but why don't we just watch a, a quick clip and see if this brings back some memories. Of, um, of Veruca, and, um, you know, her dad has done everything that he can for her to make her sure that she can have what it is that she wants. And he's done all these different things, and then this moment comes when he presents the, the ticket to her. And there's no thank you, there's no acknowledgement that the ticket's even there. She just looks at him and she says, Daddy, I want another pony. And you know, something in us recoils from that, doesn't it? We kind of pull away. There's something in it that disgusts us in in terms of the the attitude and the the selfishness and the way that that she takes everything for, for granted. And yet at the same time, sometimes I think if we're we're honest. Many of us have a tendency towards something similar. You know, while we may well say thank you and have better manners than Veruca and, and kind of handle ourselves in, in that kind of a way, how often it is that we get what it is that we want, what we've saved for, what we've planned for, and then once we've got it, we simply move on to the next thing that we want instead. And we start to research the next thing and to, to plan for the next thing and to, to save for the next thing that, that, that we want. You know, we live in a culture of consumerism where the constant message that we are faced with is this message trying to entice us to want something more. And the natural side effect of that is that we become dissatisfied with what we have. You know, we see it all the time in technology with, with cars and phones and TVs and all the different kind of things. You know, as, as what was once thought of as brilliant is now outdated and it's not good enough. And this kind of message comes across that you should have, have the new thing. You know, but it's not just about getting more stuff. You see, see when we, we see it in that kind of a way, when we see it in the way where we just relate it to stuff, we kind of think in terms of greed, and then we automatically go, well, that just feels wrong. But, you know, the reason that this is, this is so important is because actually it's a lot more subtle and a lot more dangerous than that. Because this whole kind of mentality that we're, we're kind of faced with it constantly to entice us to want more actually comes into every different part of our lives. And so, so we end up with this idea, not just that we want more stuff, but we want something more when it comes to our job. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Often the things that we want are good things. But we then want something more when it comes to our relationships. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, we want something more in our ministry and to see something more of God at work and moving amongst us. And there's nothing wrong with that, is there? It's a good thing. It's what we'd encourage. But the danger is that we become so conditioned by our culture to focus on the more that we want that we become ungrateful for what it is that we have. You know, and I've caught myself in this recently. 
On Tuesday morning, I, I woke up and I was just feeling grumpy. There was no reason for it. Nothing bad had happened. It was just one of those days where you wake up grumpy. And um, I sat up as I often do and got myself a drink and um, took some time to pray. And uh, you know, I was just kind of, uh, as I was going through, my prayers were kind of revolving around, I guess, just a sense of lack, a, a sense of what it is that I, I don't have. A sense of the more that I want for the future. And so I was asking God to, to move in this way and to help with this thing and praying about all this different stuff. And it was good stuff. There was nothing wrong with it. But I felt God say, stop. What are you doing? In your focus on your lack... And your focus on what you want, you've lost sight of what you have, and you've lost sight of who is with you. And as God brought me up short, I changed how I was praying. And I started to thank God for, for all of the blessings that he's given to me. I started to, to thank him for, for my family and for the people that in my life. I started to, to thank him for what he's done and is doing in us as a, as a church. And, and as I started to thank him for, for who he is and what he's promised and, and how that meant that I could be excited and positive about the future. And as I spent time simply thanking him and praising him, do you know what? Nothing changed. And yet everything changed. Because suddenly, I saw things differently. I was grateful for what I had and grateful for who was with me. And as we're taking time to come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, I think this is a key part of, of, of the lesson that he wants to, for us to get hold of. No, he says, when you pray, start with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start by declaring God's greatness. Start by pausing long enough to realize who it is that you're talking to. Because when you begin to understand who God is, when you understand who you have with you, it changes everything. And the starting point that enables us in praise of who God is, in, in us realizing who he is more and more and, and praising him for it, in declaring God's greatness, is a heart of gratitude. It's the thankfulness for what we have that releases us in prayer and praise to God. You know, and we see the importance of, of thankfulness right throughout the Bible. You know, it's a message if you read Paul's letter to the church in, in Colossae that's just there constantly. You know, in Colossians 3 verse 17, Paul says this. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And in Colossians 2 verse 7, Paul says that as believers in Jesus, we are to be overflowing with thankfulness. So Paul says, whatever you do, 
Choose to give thanks to God. Devote yourselves to being thankful. Be people who are overflowing with thankfulness. So let me ask you a a question for a moment. How thankful are you? You know, when you think back over the last couple of days or over the last week, have you been overflowing with thankfulness? Or can you see in yourself a focus on what you want that you don't have and a desire to see changes in situations for which the natural side effect then is a dissatisfaction with what you have in the here and now and an ungratefulness for it. Now in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 18, Paul writes these powerful words. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's not saying here, give thanks for all your circumstances, but in the midst of them, in the midst of whatever it is that you are facing, whatever circumstances going on, in the good times and in the hard times, choose to thank and praise Jesus. Choose to focus on the blessings of God. And just say thank you. Thank you for, for the air that I breathe. Thank you for the water that I drink. Thank you for the people that you've, you've put in my life and surrounded me with. Thank you that you're with me right now and your promise is that you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that as hard as things are or as good as things are, that in you I can always know the best is yet to come. And I think this is important because without making an active choice to thank God and to praise him and to, to build in the kind of routine that George was talking about where naturally he's, he's kind of got this thing built in that means he's always going to take time to thank and praise God every day. Without doing something proactive to make sure that we're taking time to thank and praise him, we are prone to start to take things for granted. And we don't mean to. We don't do it on purpose. We don't set out to say, this is the attitude that I want. It's just where we end up. And then we begin to get this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. And as we want that something more, the side effect is that we become ungrateful for what we have. You know, there's a great verse in Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9, that says, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. You know, essentially better to take joy in what God has given you than to be driven by this sense of dissatisfaction, to always be roving and looking for something more. In that moment when you're frustrated and you just feel, ah, my house is a mess. To stop and pray, God, thank you that I have family and friends who come and fill my house. Or that moment when you you feel, I don't really like my job. It's just a slog. I don't like the people I work with. They're just so... mm. To stop and say, God, thank you that in a world where so many people are struggling financially and are out of work, that you have provided me with a job that helps provide for me and my family. 
You know, and to thank God, not just for, for the material things, but to thank God for Jesus. That he sent him to, to die in your place so that you could be forgiven. Thank him that, that even though you don't deserve it, he put his love into action for you in that kind of a way so that you could have relationship with him. Thank him that not only does he at work for you in the past by sending Jesus, but he's at work in the present by his spirit to transform your life, to bring good to you. That he's promised to always be with you. And you know, we cultivate this heart of thankfulness and praise when we catch ourselves and we, we stop ourselves from having this roving appetite. From focusing on all the things that we want to change and to be different. And instead choose to focus on the blessings that God has given us. And the good things that he has for us. And turn those things into thanks and praise today. And you know, when we do this, it's powerful. You know, that's why we, we always start every Sunday with praise and worship. It's not just because it's a tradition or anything else. It's because it's powerful. You know, there are amazing promises that are linked with thanks and praise and worship. And I want to share just a few of them with you this morning, probably just three of them. The first one that I want to share is that, that praise brings presence. And George talked about this earlier. He quoted it in Psalm 100 verse 4 where it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, we are told that we are to come into God's presence with thanks and praise. And, and it's like thankfulness and, and praise. It, it's almost like it unlocks the door that enables us to draw close to God in a, in a more intimate way and to receive from him what it is that he has for us. And this doesn't always have to be a song. It doesn't always have to be upbeat. It's not that you always need a smile on your face and to be Mr. Positive. You know, when we read through the Psalms, David is, is an amazing example to us, isn't he? Often it's in the midst of the difficult times, in the hardest times, when actually in the natural he would be downbeat, that he speaks to himself and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Bless the, the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, for he forgives my sin and heals my diseases. You know, and sometimes praising God and taking time to thank God is a challenge. Because it can feel like it takes everything within us to take our eyes off of the difficulties and the pain. Because it's all consuming and so it takes everything within us. It can be a challenge because it feels like it's a sacrifice because it costs us to do it. And other times, if we're honest, I think praise and thanks can be a challenge, not because it's a sacrifice, but simply because we're indifferent. Because our hearts are cold, and if, if we're honest, we, we just don't feel like praising God and thanking Him. It just doesn't cross our minds, and we're just kind of taking the blessings of God for granted. But I want to encourage you, even if it's a challenge, even if it's a sacrifice and it costs you, even if you don't feel like it and you just feel, you know, well, why bother? 
I want to encourage you to make an active choice to praise because praise brings presence. Because praise unlocks the door that allows us to draw close to God in an intimate, deeper way and to receive from him what it is that he has for us. Second thing then as to why praise is powerful is because praise changes our perspective. Now, as I was sharing about earlier on Tuesday when I woke up grumpy, you know, and God challenged me on my attitude. And then as I started to thank him and praise him, it changed my perspective. You know, you see, naturally, those of you who know me will probably be aware of this, but naturally I'm a, a pretty logical person and a kind of a critical thinker. Um, I don't mean that in terms of critical as to, as to uh, negative all the time, but critical in the sense of kind of picking things apart. And that can be a real strength because that means that I'm, I can be, be good at kind of evaluating things and being strategic, but it's also a real weakness because it means I've got a tendency to focus on the problem because I want to try and fix it. And when we always just spend our time focusing on the problems, it can lead us down a path to, to kind of being negative in our thinking. You know, one of the wonderful things about cultivating a heart of thankfulness and praise is it stops that. It guards us from that. And it continues to, to renew our perspective and to stir our hearts in faith. Psalm 69 verse 30 says this. It says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When we choose to thank God and to praise him, we take our eyes off of ourselves and off of our problems and our hurts, off of our doubts. And instead we fix our eyes on Jesus. But even more than that, not only do we shift our perspective, not only do we start to look in a different direction, but actually what happens is we magnify, we make much of who God is. As we we kind of begin to praise him and thank him, our vision of him, it's almost like it begins to grow. It's not that God changes who he is, but our vision of him changes. And our vision of him kind of fills our mind as we magnify him. So we remind ourselves of of God's goodness and his love and his faithfulness and his power. As we remind ourselves that he's for us, not against us, as we've been singing about today. We we realize that we don't need to come to him in prayer in a kind of way where we're trying to persuade him to help us. But actually we realize who it is that we're coming to and our perspective changes. And we realize that his heart is for us and he wants to help us. And so we come instead of trying to twist his arm just ready to receive. Now as we praise him and as we worship him, faith rises up inside of us. And we can have courage and we can know hope. It puts things in perspective as we realize how small the things that we're concerned about are and just how big our amazing God is. You see, worship may not change our problems. But I promise you, it completely changes the way that we handle them. And it changes the way that we pray about them. Because praise changes our perspective. The third reason I want to encourage you to choose to praise and thank God 
It's because praise leads to breakthrough. You know, and again and again, as you read through the Bible, you can't help but pick up on the fact that so often it's as people choose to thank and to praise God that not only do they get to come into God's presence, not only is their perspective changed, but actually something actually changes in their situation. Because praise leads to breakthrough as God responds to our hearts of faith. You know, and we, we see this, there's loads of things that we could pick up on, but I want to get, just look at two occasions in, in the life of King Jehoshaphat. Try and say that too many times. You know, in 2 Kings 3, um, King Jehoshaphat's a good king, he's a godly king, and, um, but in 2 Kings 3, he teams up with two other kings who aren't. These are ungodly guys because he's teaming up with them to help him in a, in a battle. And, and they don't know what, what to do. And so they ask, for, they send for a prophet. They send for Elisha so they can say to Elisha, Elisha, what should we do? And Elisha doesn't know. It's almost like as you read the story from what you pick up from what Elisha says. Is he he kind of says, there's these two guys here. It's almost like there's something in the, in the spiritual atmosphere is, is wrong because of these ungodly people. And so Elisha then says, okay, but I will, I will ask because you're here, King Jehoshaphat. But go and get for me a harpist. Go and get for me a worship leader who will, who will help me to take time in praise and thanks. And we read that it's as the harpist is playing that the hand of the Lord comes on Elisha and he receives a prophetic revelation as to what it is there to do. Now, if you are looking for God to speak into your situation, if you've got questions, there's things that you're wanting him to, to, to show you, let me encourage you maybe just to, to not just ask him, but just simply to take time out in praise and worship. And as George says, so often it's, as, it's on the way out as he's thanking and praising God that God speaks to him and then that changes what he does afterwards. You know, on another occasion, King Jehoshaphat is, uh, is fighting against an army again, but this time he's fighting on his own and the army that he's coming up against is way bigger than they are and in the natural they don't stand a chance. And, and so they, he calls the whole nation to pray and fast and ask God what to do. And God tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to put your people of praise at the front of the army. I, I want not your best warriors or your fighters to lead you into battle, but your worship leaders. I'm not sure how our guys would like that, you know, if we, we kind of sent them out and, and things. But the amazing thing is that as they go out with praise... God defeats the army they're coming up against without a single sword being raised. When we prioritize praise and thankfulness, we are engaging in spiritual warfare that leads to breakthrough. You know, I love Psalm 8 verse 2, have done for years, where, where David writes that it's praise from the lips of children and infants that silences the foe and the avenger. It causes demons to flee. And it positions us to, to receive what it is that God is wanting to do. Because of what is released in the spiritual realm, our praise leads to breakthrough. So I want to encourage you. You know, some of you have things in your life that you've been battling with for years. And maybe you've been praying about and persisting in prayer for years. And that's a good thing. That's something that Jesus teaches us to do elsewhere. 
You know, sometimes it is hard just keeping going, facing these things. But I want to encourage you this week to be prioritizing praise and thanks. Maybe even, and this might sound a little bit weird, but maybe even commit for a week or for a season to say, I'm not going to pray about this thing. I'm not going to ask God for anything. All I'm going to do for this week, all I'm going to do for this season is to thank him and to praise him and to honor him and to worship him. I'm going to catch myself and I'm going to stop myself from complaining. I'm going to make sure I'm shifting my focus from my sense of lack and from the situations I want to change and to be different. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and thank and praise and worship him. Because I know that praise brings his presence. I know that praise will change my perspective. And I know that praise leads to breakthrough. Because there is something about thanks and praise that unlocks the gates of heaven for us to be able to receive what it is that God is wanting to to do in our lives and in the situations around us. So if praise is powerful, I guess the, the question that's left is how do we do it? What does it look like? I think there's lots of places we could go, but one of the great pictures that I love of worship and praise and what this looks like is, is in the throne room of heaven. Is what's going on right now in the spiritual realm that we don't see. And you can read about it in Revelation chapter 4. And at the end of the chapter, this is, is what we read. It says, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, They were created and have their being. Now the first thing that we see is that the 24 elders lay down their crowns. They lay down their own status. And as they lay down their crowns, it's it's like they're saying, God, it's not about me, it's about you. I give up anything that draws attention to me, anything that speaks of my status and what I deserve and my rights. Anything that makes much of me. I give up my hopes and my agenda because I recognize that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I am here for you to make much of you to worship you. And then having laid down their crowns, they simply declare the greatness of God and start to speak of who he is. They tell him how amazing he is and they thank him and praise him for who he is. You know, if we will start each day by getting alone with God, and laying down our own agendas. Giving over to God our hurts. Giving over to God our problems and our hopes. All the things that are centered on us. 
And then if we will fix our eyes on him and take time to praise and worship and honor him, and if we will stay in that place long enough that it begins to sink into our hearts who it is that we're talking to, who it is that is for us and loves us and is with us, I believe that it will not only transform the way that we pray, but it will transform our entire lives. And if you're not sure how to to start with that, then maybe a great way to start would be to say, okay, well, every day I want to make a proactive plan to say I'm going to read out loud one psalm. And, and, And every time you come across something that speaks of who God is or is thanking him or praising him, just to pause on that. And so use that as, a, as, as something that you can then put into your own words to begin to tell God how great he is. Maybe you want to, uh, I don't know, you, you're somebody who enjoys to write and, and actually that writing something can sometimes help to, to focus us more and, and kind of get out all of the stuff which comes back to us. And maybe you actually want to just sit down with a notebook and write your own psalm or write a letter to God or, or write a song to, to him about who he is and how great he is and just take time to thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done. You know, as we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, teach us to pray. He wants us to know that thanks and praise isn't just something that we kind of start with and then as the, the kind of the, um, the, the precursor before the main event. You know, the, we, we've kind of got to get past that. And so we know we always start God by thanking him and, and saying something nice. And then we kind of move on to what it is we really want to pray about. It can be like that sometimes, can't it? He wants us to get hold of the fact that thanks and praise is not something to be rushed by. Because the longer that we stay here, the greater the degree to which we will get hold of who it is we're talking to. The more it will sink into our hearts who it is who's with us and for us and loves us. And it will transform the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see our situations. And it will stir faith up within us. It will change the way that we pray. You know, and the most amazing thing that every one of us has to thank God for, I don't know where, what's going on in your life right now. You might not feel there's a lot, but there's a, a most amazing thing that every one of us has to thank God for. No matter how we're feeling or what our circumstances are, is the fact that he put his love into action by sending his son Jesus to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have hope, so that we could have a relationship with him. And when this hits us, when you have that relationship, when you receive from him and you truly know and experience his forgiveness and his grace, the only response from that is thanks and praise. There's nothing else that we can do. And if you've never responded to Jesus or accepted his sacrifice for you, if you've never made him him king, you've never received his forgiveness and his love, then I want to give you an opportunity to to do that today while we're together. Or it might be that you want to come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I realize I've not been living with you as king. I want to come back and say I'm sorry and receive your forgiveness again. I want to come back to you today. 
And so if, I want to just make a little bit of space for that before we go into to communion as, as a way of thanking and praising God for, for Jesus. And so I'm going to put a, a prayer up on the screen, and, and we're just going to pray it together. And this is a prayer that every one of us can pray. But if you want to pray this, and this is something new for you, and, and this is your way of responding to Jesus, then I just want to encourage you to do that. It's not scary, but it's the most significant decision you can ever make. So why don't we just pray this together? Come up on the screen. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now lay down my crown and my agenda and make you king. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you are alive today and you are reaching out with the offer forgiveness and hope and relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Help me to have a heart of thankfulness and to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.